Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're lucky enough in this country to have some wonderful racing administrators and this man has uh, jumped into his role and he's hit the ground running here at um, Racing Queensland. He's had to make some tough decisions early on as well in his tenure. And Jason Scott, the CEO, CEO of RQ, joins us here live on the Gold Coast here on Giddy Up. Jason, thanks for having us, mate. Thanks for inviting me, Gareth, Chris. Um, how have you enjoyed the role so far? Look, it's a different role to anything that I've done previously. I've sort of come out of wagering. And yeah. the thing about wagering, you've got a scoreboard every five minutes, ten minutes, half hour, hour. But you a, you know, whether you're winning or losing on the day, whether it be a profit and loss or a, a balance sheet, this is slightly different. It's yeah. uh, The three codes in Queensland also adds a little bit of complexity. Yeah. Uh, the different needs for the greyhounds and the harness. But look, I'm enjoying it. And this is my first Magic, Magic Millions in this role. And it's probably, you know, I've, I've been around racing all my life. And I didn't, until I got into this sort of position, realise how many people were involved in the organisation yeah. and the almost military-like precision that we need to make sure that these days go off and they will. And full credit to both Magic Minions and the Gold Coast Turf Club for everything that they've done this week. And I think that why you've been able to get into this role, and I, and I love how RQ went down this path, is that you're a dead-set racing lover. Yeah, I'm a tragic. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I've been... Which helps when you're a CEO of a racing organisation. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Look, I've got, it, gives me, it gives me some huge advantages. Yeah. And that I understand, one, what the punters want, because I've been doing that for a long while, and I also understand punter behaviour from the time I spent at Lab Rakes and also when I was in America working in the business. That also means that you also need to ch- preconceived ideas that you think you knew has yeah. changed. But, um, yeah, I think overall it's an advantage for me. So what's been the biggest surprise that you've taken over that you thought, geez, I didn't know, I, I, didn't, I didn't think that was happening? Uh, probably the, the push and shove for uh, all states, PRAs and clubs for race times and <laughs> yeah. jumping two and three and five minutes late and the push. Yeah. And um, Adam there in there at Sky Channel, I mean, hats off to him. He gets pushed every day. Everyone wants to be at a certain time. Nobody wants to follow Sydney because they always run late and and those kind of things. So it's really intriguing. And and what that actually means for wagering, which is now, certainly in Queensland, it's our only form of revenue. So we've got to maximise that. And you you know this better than anyone as well, Chris. And I spent a little bit of time at Sky Racing as well. Is that, like, I love racing.com and Sky Thoroughbred Central. Channel 7's coverage is is great. But at the end of the day, the money channel, they call it the money channel, is Sky Racing 1. Yes. And you need to put yourself into a spot there to make sure that you... It doesn't really matter if you get flicked to Sky 2. It's As long as you're getting the three-minute, four-minute lead-up time where people at the pubs and the clubs are seeing your product and they go, well, Dooman's coming up or Kansas coming up or the Albion Park Dogs are coming up or the Trots. 
And so the punters get an opportunity to invest. And I guess as a CEO of Racing Queensland, that that's that's the key in a way to because yeah. your turnover can be it can go downhill pretty quickly or it can be pretty healthy if you get the brakes go your way. One thing I do know from my time in Labrose, the most hit button on any any bookmaker's website's the next, next to go race. button. Yes, yes. <laughs> so so that you want to be on that next to go in front of the punter's face. You're exactly right. The three minutes leading. It's almost superfluous whether the race is actually shown on Sky One in terms of funding. Obviously, you want to have your your product in front of as many eyeballs as possible. But yeah, it's a, it's a game that we're all playing. And um, as I said, I think Sky Channel do a, re a really good job at managing it. Just on that, um, Jason, do you think it's a concern down the track that because of the the rights and there's a lot of TV rights going on with different media organisations and wagering organisations that we don't split up the product too much. I, I think that's exactly right. Like with all, you mentioned it before, with all credit to, to, um, to Seven, to Racing.com, Sky Channel One's where you need to be. Yeah. I think there's a place probably for a premium thoroughbred red station. Yeah. Be it Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth. Uh, just one meeting, just the Metro meetings a week at some stage. Um, I'm not sure if we'll get there. I mean, I, Sundays, Sundays there's a proliferation of racing. Mm, it's yeah. almost like uh, a roulette table, you know. They just send them round and they send them round again. And, and one of the things we're trying to do there to get clear air is we're going to start a little bit later at the sunny coast and, and line up with Hong Kong and run some twilight meetings yep. to get some clear air at that time. It's important. How important has Channel 7 been with the free-to-air coverage? We've just sort of gone back to the future. I remember that years and years ago. Uh, and we've gone away from it. Now we're back to it on a Saturday. I think anything that brings racing in front of the eyes of new, of new people. I mean, one thing that really worries me is where's our next generation of punters? Where's our next generation of, of trainers? Um, it's not racing clearly isn't as mainstream as what it was 40 yeah. years ago, 30 years ago when I was, I was uh, coming through. Uh, and I think people, not just watching racing, but going to the races now, it's an event. And I think people are happy to come and spend three or $400 and buy a ticket to a restaurant or to dining on a big day. Uh, I'm interested in getting those attendances back. And I think Channel 7 is key for that yep. in bringing us to, to new eyes. We see it with our audience here on Giddy Up. We've probably got a younger generation from 18 to, to 40. And they enjoy a punt. They probably enjoy the same race multi. Um, and yeah. they enjoy having a bet on the sport and, and multi having a multi and, and having a bet on the UFC into into Chris Nelson's best bet. Um, how do you find if you get these younger punters betting on sport, do you find that they're coming across to racing eventually? Yeah, we do. Again, going back to my time in wager, we find it goes much better the other way. Yep. Yeah, it's much easier to transition the racing customers into sports customers. Yeah. But we do. And, and it starts with the Magic Minions, with the Melbourne Cup, with the Everest. And then hopefully you get them that you might get two bets a week out of it and people people get involved in racing. I mean, I still speak to all of the WSPs right now. It's a challenge. Turnover's a challenge and it makes sense. Cost of living's up. Uh, interest rates have been up. But racing is struggling a little bit more than sport. So how do you do that with the participants, for instance? I think Andrew Jones is having this problem with Victoria at the moment. So you come out of COVID and you're flying and everyone is punting. People have got more money would you believe, during a, a pandemic, but they had Seems enough money to, to buy horses at the Magic Millions and um, racing was the only show that was going on, so people were investing in, in the sport more than ever. But now it's dropped off a little bit and 
the prize money increases went up during COVID and now you've got to say, oh, woo, woo, woo. we might have to come back a little bit here. And then after everybody's um, been able to compete for terrific prize money, to go and tell them it's not as rosy as it was and we do need to tighten the belts. Um, how do you sell that to the participants? I think you're right. Andrew's obviously copped a little public uh, public pressure about it. You know, I've, I've spoken to clubs. I think the only way to do it is to be straight out and be honest. Yeah. We need to talk to clubs. We need to talk to participants. And people understand. And, and as you said, the way you've sort of passed it out there, COVID, we hit a high that was unnatural. Mm. We, and we need to understand what the new normal looks like. And frankly, we're not quite there yet. Racing, you know, we're still seeing a downturn, I think, as rates continue. But we need to find what our new benchmark is and expectations. And then we need to change our spending, whether it be through prize money or whatever else we do, dependent upon what we think our, our revenue is going to look like. Although these, uh, some of these bigger races we've now got aren't in Queensland, and I talk of races such as the Everest, etc. do you think they're sustainable? Ten years down the track, do you think those races will still be worth... Because we had a race in America called, I think it was the Pegasus, that went yeah. for a million, and now it's $3 million. It's come way back. Yeah. Do you think that may happen? I think it won't happen to the Everest. The, no. Everest, the Everest has reached a, a stage, and, you know, Peter and the group down there have done a magnificent job in that that is now part of the fabric of the culture of that city. Um, we've sort of seen a little bit of uh, change to the All-Star Mile. Yeah. Um, now, whether New South Wales can can afford to keep going with the five diamonds and, the, you know, we saw the Bondi die and that, um, you know, that, that's not for me to pontificate upon, but I suspect we will see some levelling off. Yeah. You must have been over the moon with the way that the Gold Coast track played there the other day. As a CEO, relieved as well with all of that rain that you had here in Queensland. For it to play as well as it did in its first season of racing, um, I thought was remarkable and hats off to everybody involved because I, after what happened there at Eagle Farm, I know there were some valuable lessons learnt there, but I thought maybe have they gone too early? Should they had the, the Magic Millions at Eagle Farm this year and given the, the Gold Coast just a, a little bit of a, a period of time um, with the, 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 the grass to grow and to settle um, and then come back and um, go ahead from 2025? But, geez, it played well. Look, there's two parts to the answer. The first thing, we were wrapped with how it played. Yeah. Yeah, so I was nervous because the CEO uh, before Brendan Parnell, Elliot Forbes, he effectively lost his job over there at the farm track. So I didn't want to come in here. Um, Look, one thing is we've got the right guys in charge there in Navesha and Dani. Yeah. And frankly, this is one of the greatest places in the world to grow grass. Yeah. Hot as anything, humid, and then plenty of rain. But you've still got the nerves. We, we, you know, we'd, 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 we'd... Worked it properly with one horse in the in the couple of horses into trials. We'd had that one meeting, and then when it started raining between race four, you know, as, as you guys know, Chris, particularly Gareth as punters, the worst thing to change the track conditions rain while they're racing. But although it wasn't strong, it was consistent and persistent. Yeah. But uh, we've wrapped, and again, all credit to the guys at Racing Queensland, the guys at the Gold Coast, and of course B- BMD and 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 the power Mick and Scott Power who've have been with us building that, so it's, it's been a, a triumph. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to declare victory just yet. No, but no. we're heading in the right direction. And, and as you said, I think the consistency was the thing. We had the rain during races, as you say, that's yeah. never a good thing. But it, it wasn't the result of that. wasn't that horses got away from the fence or they yeah. started moving around. There was fast lanes, slow lanes. We didn't see clods flying all over the place. So that was a major win. No, it wasn't. It's always harder to make ground at a smaller track. So, but we it did is. see that we saw a couple down the outside. I thought did enough to make me think, "Well, no, this is good." I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, hats off to Navesh because he copped a hammering this time last year. Yeah. And everybody wants the the the, uh, 
kick the boots in yep. when someone's had a, a bad day and it didn't go to plan, of course, last year when we had to postpone the race day. But his job has been remarkable and he, I, don't think he's, I don't think he's been given enough credit this week. No, I agree. I mean, he's, he's the best in his craft in yep. Australia. I thought, he did, you know, we've only got to see what he did at Randwick and then and New South Wales and then to come up here under a lot of pressure in the, over the last three and four months. And he's one of the most mild-mannered guys you'll meet. You wouldn't know that he was a slightly concerned. He, I did see him at the polo on Sunday, <laughs> and he very proudly showed me the track the next day, and he said, you wouldn't even know 100 really? horses had gone over it. So, how is, the, how is it? You're happy with the carnival? It continues to get bigger and better. And we had this chat with, um, I had this chat with Chris yesterday on, on Giddy Up. I, I, I think always, for me anyway, that the Stradbroke Carnival will always be the number one carnival in Queensland. Um, but this is perfect. It's got its spot. The Gold Coast own it. And it's not only become one of the great racing weeks on the racing calendar, but um, what Katie Page and Jerry Harvey have been able to produce is that they can transcend this sport by making it into a carnival. It's not just about the races on Saturday or the sales. It's, 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 it's such a big event now. Without a doubt, you mentioned it earlier, you know, with the track of potential moving to Eagle Farm, that really never crossed our mind. Yeah. This, this event is a Gold Coast event that needs to be held down here. And I mentioned military precision, like Katie is the general. She, yeah. she has things and she, her attention to detail is just fantastic. And I, even, I think the quality of the horse flesh, um, you know, I think we've got the two-year-old race, Gay's got the favourite, uh, uh, Karen's got the second favourite, yeah. the three-year-old race, uh, Waller's got the favourite. O'Shea's got one in there. Um, and even in races like the Cup, we've got a couple of up-and-coming Queensland horses, far too easy. And um, well, the other one whose name starts with Zed, Chris uh, Zaramore. Zarastro? Zarastro. Yeah. You know, those kind of races, they're, they're a fantastic race. And I think for, for the Brisbane trainers and for those for us to um, be able to put that on, and even the initiative of get, getting Roth, Rothfire into the cutest via, yeah. via, via the race up at uh, Toowoomba, which, you know, it might not have been the strongest race, and it's probably not at the right time of year, and it's something that will... That I'll, that I'll work with the club up there and I don't think you'll see us racing on, uh, racing on New Year's Day that race again. I think it works so well here. It's, it's unique. I don't know of any other race meeting in the world where they have this sort of setup with a barrier draw on the beach and, and that's what makes it. This, I don't think this would work anywhere else. No, it's the risks they've taken over the years. You know, the, and I can imagine what it must have been to get through council when you said they said we're going to run horses down the, yeah. down the beach yes. on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> I mean, even forgetting last year's little faux pas um, and, and taking the risk and having the courage to do that. You know, thinking, well, Sunday, well, let's turn it into a polo on an equestrian day and the scale and the size of, of what we saw on, on Sunday. And, you know, next year we're moving into the Friday night meeting as well, yeah. which, you know, there's, there's pluses and minuses there. I know I've, I've spent a few uh, Manicato steaks with Michael Brow watching him look at the sky <laughs> all day with his mouth yes. open. So, um, you know, Jerry's told me, well, mate, we've only had one day in 40, 40 yep. years, so I suppose a 40 to 1 chance of rain isn't bad odds. When you look at the turnover... And you're a man that yeah. knows this better than anyone. Do you think we'll have more night racing? Do you think the Magic Millions will eventually be run under lights? I don't think it will. No. I think I think we might get into twilight. Yeah. I think we might see the last finish at 6.30. Yeah. You know, we've got 11 races this week. It, the the first days. is a little bit early for mine. It's breakfast time. And that's that's not just me looking at turnover. I just think it's a lot for the club, um, whether we stay there. We'll move those debut races to the Friday night yeah. next year. Yeah. Um, 
I think there'll be more night races. But again, the participants in Queensland, we don't have many big stables no. who can afford to have staff to get to the Sunshine yeah. Coast, the Gold Coast, then back up or ride work the next morning. So we're going to be really careful with what we do with night racing. Just on those debut races, will that be something that will be discussed going forward? Because there has been some chatter about lack of two-year-olds early in the season and trainers holding their horses for the debuts. Yeah, look, there's a lot. But if you have a look at it, the debuts, there's only 10 in both. And there's quite a few trainers aren't Queensland that wouldn't have raced up here yep. anyway. Um, now, the question is, probably a bigger question is, we have more two-year-old racing before Christmas than Sydney and Melbourne. And historically, that's been because we've wanted to give horses a chance to earn prize money to qualify for the millions now. Do we do less racing and have more prize money? Do we, do we decide that we're happy with the amount of two-year-old racing that we have? And that's something we'll dive into and look into. The one thing I am doing is my first year... I don't want to come in and say we'll make changes straight away. We'll just we'll take our time and see where we land. Sure. We don't get too much of an opportunity to chat to the CEO of Racing Queensland no. with Jason Scott on this Tuesday morning. We are live from Surface Paradise ahead of the Barry Draws for the two-year-old Classic and the three-year-old Guineas. We're going to take a quick break. Jason's going to stay with us. I've got a few more questions I need to ask the boss, especially a little bit about the harness racing, Greyhound Industries, a few questions coming through on our text messages as well. So don't go anywhere, Gareth Hall. Chris Nelson with you, live from the Gold Coast for the Magic Millions Barry draw on uh, the beachfront of Surface Paradise. And we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with plenty more on Giddy Up. Thor with you, Chris Nelson. We're live on the Gold Coast. We're live on the Gold Coast for the Magic Millions Barry draw. That'll be conducted in about 32 minutes' time. So 9 o'clock local time, 10 o'clock in at the east. We're joined by the CEO of Racing Queensland, Jason Scott, who's in his first year as the top man for Racing Queensland. Um, Jason, was the Inter-Dominion a success for the trots? Yeah, I think the Inter-Dominion was a huge success, particularly the final. I think it's not unfair to say both Racing Queensland and the club we've we didn't have a lot of luck with weather in, yeah. the, in the heats no. and perhaps crowds we would have liked to have seen a lot better. But I think all, all credit to Brad Steele and Ken Rutherford and the group there that they, they had a couple of thousand people there on, on um, final night. The atmosphere, look, we, get, we had a bit of luck. We ran into Damien Oliver riding his last three winners. Yes. Um, <laughs> but but it had that obviously got the party going, but I think it was a huge success. I'm not sure we got the right time of the year for it. No, it's got to be in the. It's we got to get the Kiwis. Like, it's 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 frustrates me so much harness racing. It just doesn't help itself. The Inter Dominion is the biggest race. Yeah, it is the holy grail for the sport, and I can understand that Victoria and New South Wales want a piece of it as well. But if they don't want to respect the race and they can't run it in the the right time. And they, and they want to say, well, the Miracle Mile's our number one race and the Hunter Cup's our number one race. Well, that's okay. But then give the Inter-Dominion, hand over the keys to, to Racing Queensland and say, let's run in the middle part of the year. Call it the Blacks of Fake Inter-Dominion. So the Blacks of Fake's your grand circuit race, but that prize money can go towards the Inter-Dominion. And, and Blacks of Fake was our greatest Inter-Dominion horse. It just makes sense. And then in the middle part of the year when the horses can be prepared and you can get the best of the best come for our greatest race and it can be worth the prize money can be increased and everyone can get behind it it'll help the games in victoria new south wales and south australia and in new zealand it will make the sport better for anyone but you've got to put your self-interest aside and come together and it frustrates me how they disrespect this race jace yeah i think i think look tradition traditionally it has been our greatest race and yeah it's, it's a novel concept. No, there's no other racing event that I'm aware of that's three heats over two weeks into a final point system. 
It's worked for years. Look, we've got to get the Kiwis back in. Yeah. Um, speaking to Andrew Kelly for Harness Racing Australia, I, I think we have. I think the next four or five years have been sorted out. Okay. But we need to start looking past that and work out. You know, Queensland will be more than happy to put our hand up and and run it in the winter. I mean, we know nothing else. Horses do well in Queensland in the winter. Yep. And just on that, when I was here last year for the sales, there was talk that Mark Purden, Barry Purden, the biggest Kiwi trainers, wanted to set up base here in Queensland. There was talk some of the biggest trainers in Victoria wanted to come here to Queensland as well because you're building a facility, a training complex that would cater for all of these trainers. And Queensland was going to be clearly the number one state in Australasia or jurisdiction in Australasia. And then I heard you recently say that um, you might not be building that new facility and you might be staying at Albion Park. It's certainly our plan to build a new facility, yep. but we need to sort the funding with the government. Correct. And we're also in a period where Queensland government's funding an Olympic Games. Yep. Yep. So they need to, we need to work with them to understand whether um, they, Albion Park is superfluous, superfluous for their needs for the Olympics. Uh, it's certainly racing Queensland, everyone in harness racing's preference. To, to move down to Norwell to this brand new facility. Um, but we've, you know, again, uh, we've had a new premier here as of three or four weeks ago. They're doing a 60 day inquiry into all Olympic venues and Albion Park is part of that. So this is a, something that's really not a decision of racing Queensland. No. Um, and it's something we'll know a lot more of in a couple of months. I don't mind staying at Albion Park oh. if you can do two things at once and, and, and build that that training complex to allow trainers to relocate and, and help the younger generation also establish themselves in the sport because it's so expensive buying properties because we've seen it in Victoria and New South Wales. If you move out of the CBD, the sport does lose relevance. And Albion Park, a little bit like Gloucester Park, it is, well, you can't buy that location. Exactly because right. it, when you come to Brisbane and you see the trots that are on, yeah. like you're going to go to Albion Park, but if they're an hour out, out of Brisbane, um, then it's difficult to get people outside of the industry to, to go there. And you've got an iconic hotel right next yep. door. I mean, it's just a perfect setup. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if we were to stay, the Greyhound facility was better at the queue. We've got a lot more room all of a sudden, haven't you, inside yeah. that track, and there, there's things we can do. Yeah. What's your biggest challenge? Uh, my biggest challenge is, is, is probably is probably funding. Well, it's definitely funding. Yeah. Um, you know, racing isn't always part of the mainstream. Um, we've got a couple of challenges at the moment. The, the grandstand at Eagle Farms uh, only got a couple of years to live. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, it's got a, it's got some concrete cancer problems, and you know the, both the club and I are working with government there to to find a solution. So they're, they're probably the things that you know racing needs to secure. Is, is that a possible rebuild completely from the ground up, or would it be like a more of a repair? Yeah, I think a repair is probably the, the engineers' reports that I've seen mean a repairs it would be cost prohibitive. Yeah. Yep. They're expensive grandstands. <laughs> they are. They are expensive, but but plus there's a lot of history in that yep. in that yeah. grandstand well, too. I, I wasn't aware until I took this job that grandstand used to be two stories, but the top the top floor came off about 30 years ago. Oh, so it potentially perhaps wasn't built as well as it could have been no. 50 or 60 years ago. I know it probably nearly won't happen if you're a betting man. The roads, the sale of Rose Hill. But do you think in 20 years' time that we'll have Eagle Farm and Doomben? Not if someone offers me five billion. No. Um, <laughs> look, I, I think, and you, you guys know this as racing men, the synergies that a lot of people say, why do you have two tracks across the road? The synergies that the club 
get in terms of hospitality. You know, if you've raced 25 times, it's 25 Saturdays a year, we've got still got to get someone to cook the food, pull the drinks, beat the security. These people know that they've got a job every Saturday, so it's easy for employment. The track staff, equipment, all of those kind of things. Um, and if while you've got one club, we saw it with the ATC that, that it's sorted. I'm not sure where we'll land. Um, yep. My preference is, unless an obscene amount of money is offered, and it's not up to race in Queensland anyway, the BRC, like Rose Hill, like being owned by the ATC, Dooman's owned by the BRC. If you look at what's happening, Gareth, you'd, you'd, you'd be betting on no in 20 years yep. that it won't be there, but I I think we need to have some really good thought, thinking before we just make a knee-jerk reaction to go. Just on uh, public holiday meetings, are, are you keen to see those in town? Desperately keen to see those Excellent. in town. I, I hate, with no disrespect to some of our smaller tracks, I hate watching on Sky Channel and goes Flemington, Randwick, Ascot, Morpherville, Bow Desert yep. or Gatton. So, yeah, so Australia, Day will be, Australia Day will be in town. I think Anzac Day, I'm not sure some of the so-called smaller public holidays, Easter Monday, I'm not sure we need to. It's not a major racing day now. But we'll see more. Um, I think Boxing Day probably needs to be at a major track, or at least if it's sunny coast, I'm more than happy to have it there, but I don't think we had enough prize money there this year to get the right horses. Yep. Jason, we could speak all day, but we appreciate your time here, mate. Well done with the job that you've done so far. Good luck with all the challenges that you face in the next 12 to 18 months especially, but um, it's great to be here on the Gold Coast for this famous carnival, and, um, yeah, looking forward to the week. Thank you, gents. Good Thanks, Jason. For us. Uh, yeah, right. I'm a big far too easy fan. I think it'll win the cup. All right, mate. There's Jason Scott, the CEO of Racing Queensland. We'll take a quick break. We are live at Surface Paradise for the barrier draw for the two-year-old Classic and the three-year-old Guineas for the Magic Millions. Don't go anywhere. Bag of tips coming up next.